You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. You are listening to Hawk Talk Recap Edition. The Seahawks fall to the Titans 33-30 in overtime in the home opener. It was a tough game, disappointed, but uh, you live and you learn. And like we always do, let's get into the trenches and talk some football with Ray Roberts. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Big Ray, these Hawks lose to the Titans 33-30 in overtime in dramatic fashion. They had chances to put this game away. They allowed the Tennessee Titans to hang around. But during the postgame show we talked in, you saw a difference in the offensive approach. Explain to the people what that was. Yeah, it was just, you know, in the first week, you know, we were really excited about how they made the defense defend the entire field. So you had the deep passes to lock it in against the Colts. So you had, um, you know, using the tight end. We ran the ball well. We used a lot of motion, like pre-snap motion and and uh, at-the-snap movement to kind of create uh, some timing to get the run game going. And Chris Carson had, you know, close to 100 yards rushing. And Russell had a big day. Tyler Lockett had a big day. Gerald Everett scored a touchdown. I think we completed passes to – seven different uh, uh, receivers and uh, running backs. And so it just felt like uh, there was like this offense that could overwhelm a defense just purely on the play call, you know, and, and distributing the ball to different people. And then yesterday it just, it just felt like uh, they just abandoned that idea. And uh, like uh, we just kind of lined up and it felt like we're kind of playing I'm tougher than you football and uh, not really using some of the weapons that we had. Now, part of that is, you know, maybe the defense was doing something to take those things away. But then uh, my response to that would be, man, like the best offenses in the league, they dictate to the defense. And so I felt like that Seahawks were building an offense that could that could do that. And so I felt yesterday we kind of played their game and they were better at playing their game than we were. Uh, and that was mostly in the running game. In the passing game, you, I mean, yeah, there was some some miscues, you know, at the end of the at the end of the game, some miss hits, but and Russell may have missed a, a touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett, you know, like uh, later in the game, but um, but uh, for the most part, the passing game, you know, they the deep ball was working, DK was working the sidelines and some of the intermediate passes. We didn't get the tight ends involved and and the running backs involved as much, but but you can see some you know some some continuation of the passing game. It just it, it just felt like. It was two different offensive approaches from one week to the next, and that was that was a little disappointing. Yeah, I could see where you're coming from. Chris Carson didn't touch the ball as much as he'd like to, only had 31 rushing yards. We didn't see a lot of the pre-snap movement that we were used to seeing, um, but we knew days like this were going to come. We're talking about this offense and being a little disappointed, but they still put up 30 points, right? So yeah, we're absolutely. doing some things right. It just wasn't what we thought we were going to see. Now, defensively, it was a tale of two halves, right? The first half, you go into halftime, it's 24 to 9. You see Pete Carroll hyping up the crowd. All is well. You're feeling good. Second half, number 22, Derrick Henry got going. What'd you see out of him? Yeah, you know, 
the thing is, is, you know, during the post game, you know, we kept asking players like what changed in the second half to where he was able to run the ball when it seemed like you had him bottled up in the first half. But the the thing is, and we, you know, I try to speak to this in the pregame is that that's just how he works. I can remember watching the games, you know, last year and teams would have him bottled up in the first half, but somewhere between somewhere around midway to the third quarter, they just stay committed to what they were doing. And then all of a sudden he breaks a long one and that breaks open their, their, their game. So you could say, well, you take away that, that one long run and, you know, what do you have then? Well, he still averaged over four yards a carry on those other 21 carries. So uh, the first half he's only averaging less than three yards a carry. So that's just kind of what he does. And they make you stay committed to stopping him as long as they are committed to doing it. And, uh, and so I think we had to take some chances. Maybe we felt, uh, the running game was kind of coming downhill on the defense, and then you lose a little gap control, and you have a 60-plus yard touchdown. So uh, I, I think you know the, the biggest thing with the Seahawks were on defense was obviously having to stop the run, but getting themselves off the field. Uh, whether it was uh, them picking up, you know, the third down conversions weren't all that great, but you know they were picking up big yardage first downs on second down or penalties that were allowing the drives to stay alive, and so the defense just could not get itself off the field to get the offense back on the field. And then when the offense was on the field, uh, man, I think in the second half, the longest drive was like five minutes. And I think they only had the ball one. And that was the one time they had the ball in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, the offense couldn't stay on the field three and out in less than two minutes uh, for the rest of their drives there mostly. So uh, just a little, to me, uh, I don't want to say it's a crisis, but there is a little identity crisis. Like, okay, who are we going to show up to be every week on defense? And then who are we going to show to be every week on offense? And and I think the sooner you figure that out, the better. Yeah, I feel you, Ray. I feel like on defense, I mean, we listened to Bobby talk. We listened to Jamal last night, Pete Carroll. And the common thing was gap integrity, right? Being sound when it comes to the gaps. And what people don't realize, there's A, B, C, and there's D gaps out there when you talk to that offensive line. And every play, everyone's responsible for a gap unless you're sending guys on blitz and twists and all that stuff. And um, against a runner like Derrick Henry, you just have to do your job and do it even though he's getting downhill on you. So maybe that has something to do with it. Okay, so uh, we're going to flush the Tennessee Titans. That was a good football team. I mean, Julio Jones came out. He had a day. Ryan Tannehill played decent. Derrick Henry got going. Now we're going to look forward to the Minnesota Vikings. This is a team that is sneaky every year. Like even when you just look at the logo, you don't really take it too seriously. Like it's the Vikings, you know, the same, the same when they had Brett Favre in that, that championship run. This is Kirk Cousins. This is Adam Thielen. This is Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. They still got some guys on this team. Um, what, what concerns you about this team or, or what's on the scouting report? Well, to me, their offense is real similar to, to what they, what they just saw in Tennessee. It's just a different type of running back, you know, uh, they have they have receivers on the outside that can do some damage, uh, and they have a running back that can put up a lot of yards. You know, last year when we played them, their backup rushed for over 100 yards, and Dalvin Cook was injured but still rushed for 60 yards. So uh, this, the defensive game plan is going to have to come and be the same. It's, you know, the gap integrity, being aggressive, making tackles, uh, you know, getting guys to the ground, uh, and then also just trying to – get pressure on the quarterback without having a blitz so you can play better coverage. So the, to me, the defensive uh, approach shouldn't change this week just because they don't have a 6'4", 250-pound running back. Uh, their, uh, their approach to it is still going to be the, be the same thing. And then offensively, I just think we just have to get back to, uh, you know, 
what we saw in that first game, like just some of that type of offense, you know, some of that, uh, you know, spreading the ball around and, and getting everybody involved you know, on the fly sweep. We didn't see one single fly sweep. There was only one target to a, to a tight end. And we were talking in a pregame about, you know, there were at one point in the uh, first game, it was four straight passes to tight ends. And so, uh, so the offense just needs to get back to that. And, and I think, you know, maybe they were trying to look at other aspects of the offense and how that runs and, and thinking that that was going to be a good game plan for, for yesterday and it, and it didn't work out. So maybe there's a combination of the two games that we've seen so far. So whatever that is, uh, I think that's the offense that needs to show up on, on Sunday against, against the Vikings because I feel if you're spreading the ball around and you're running, the, you know, having all the movement, you get the running game going, you, know, you have the, the short game going, you have the deep ball that it seems like no one can stop locking on then you're really truly making this defense have to defend every inch of the field. And uh, and to me, that is when this offense is going to be the best. I agree with you, Big Ray. Well, here's the good, here's the good thing, right? They got a win and they have a loss. Got two sets of film to look at to figure out who they are. I think that's the message that you're sending. I agree with you, Big Ray, man. Appreciate your time, homie. Yes, sir. Go Hawks. All right. Let's bring in NASA Chobe now and talk about what happened in our first segment. Lovey segment, what had happened? See, what had happened at first was... What happened was... What had happened was... On Hawk Talk. Uh, what had happened was, man, bump, Sunday did not turn out the way the Seahawks and the rest of us imagined as they fell to the Tennessee Titans 33-30 to in the home opener in overtime. The Titans snapped the Seahawks' 13-game home opener winning streak that's the first home loss in the home opener since 2008. Weren't you on the roster that year? I was on that team, Nass. Woo! It's been, it's been a hot minute, man. And honestly, you guys alluded to it, man. It was a tale of two halves. Seahawks were up 24-9 in the first half. Big play after big play on offense. And they held Derrick Henry in check. So in the first half, Derrick Henry had 13 carries for just 35 yards. Averaging 2.7 yards a carry. You knew he was going to come in. They are going to give him the football a ton. The Seahawks were up to the challenge. They shut him down in the first half. And then the second half came along. And that's when yeah. that man went off. He ended the day with 182 yards on 35 carries and three touchdowns. Just in the second half alone, he had 17 carries for 126 yards, including one 60-yard touchdown. That was the most yards ever given up in the Pete Carroll era by one player that happened against Adrian Peterson back in 2012. So it was disappointing. I mean, I think anytime you're playing at Lumen Field and you're up double-digit points in the fourth quarter, you think that game's over. You know, it's all about head coach Pete Carroll preaches. It's all about the ball, and it's all about winning the game in the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, on Sunday, the Seahawks came up a little short. Came up a little short. You mentioned Derrick Henry got going in the second half. The Seahawks gave up 532 yards of total offense. They also, the Titans had the ball 42 minutes to the Seahawks 22. That right there just lets you know that the Titans were sustaining drives. They were putting drives together, controlling the tempo, doing what they had to do. Titans also had 33 first downs to the Seahawks 17. I think that stat is... um it's kind of misleading because the Hawks were making plays. They're just making big plays. Mm -hmm. When they scored, it was three plays, four or five plays. Let's go up top and let's get off the field. So uh, just different approaches to this game. The Seahawks were the, the banger bus type team and the Titans were the, okay, let's, let's sustain these drives and keep going. Uh, it was uh, frustrating to watch. Yes. And if you are a Hawks fan, it's the first time they've lost at home in the home open since 2008, but 
they did do some good things, man. We see, we saw Tyrell Lockett. We're going to talk about him in the playmakers. He made some big plays. Russell Wilson looked good early. Defense looked good early. I think it's all about putting it all together now, right? Having a full game of what we saw yesterday. So let's highlight some players now because there were some positives out there in our playmakers. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. Show them what time it is! Well, like we usually do in this segment, we got to start it off with a quarterback, number three, Russell Wilson. He went 22 for 31 with 343 yards, two touchdowns, and once again, zero interceptions. And the thing with Russ, man, he was cooking in that first half. He was doing everything that he needed to do. He was finding big play after big play, getting a lot of help from the receiving core. And the difference is in, the, in that second half, like you said, the Seahawks' inability to sustain drives is what really hurt when you only have the ball once in the third quarter, and then you have the ball with a chance to win the game in overtime, you go backwards, you go three and out, you pump from your one-yard line, and at that point in overtime, you get you get the Titans started that drive on like the 50-plus, so it's going to be really hard to keep anyone out of the end zone there. But Russell Wilson still doing his thing over 300 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday. Russell took care of their rock. That's a positive. Now, Tyler Lockett, another big game, eight receptions, 178 yards, one touchdown. Yesterday's performance was Tyler Lockett's 12th career 100-yard game back-to-back this year so far, weeks one and two. Lockett is the fourth player since 1990 to record multiple touchdown receptions of at least 60 yards in the team's first two games of the season. Guess who's on that list? Steve Smith Jr. Or, sorry, senior. Steve Smith Sr., Randy Moss, and Jerry Rice. That's some good company right there. Number 16 just finds a way. I mentioned this in the post game. Like, he has his own style, the way he does things, man. And it's impressive to see a guy his size continue to make the big man plays. You can always count on Tyler Lockett to be where he's supposed to be to make the tough catch, and then the run after the catch is good, too. He makes the toughest catches look easy. Everything between him and Russell Wilson seems effortless. When Russell throws those deep balls, Tyler Lockett finds a way to position his body and just run right underneath it. He uh, he gets behind defenders, and... Again, you've, you talked about this a lot. He doesn't do it the same way other guys do it. He has his own unique style. But, man, he is a terror in that open field, breaking people down. So, Tyler Lockett is doing his thing. And his buddy, who's also playing well right now, Freddie Swain. Freddie Swain went five receptions yeah. for 95 yards and a touchdown. He had that big, long touchdown um, and a busted coverage. But it's good to see him kind of step up and emerge as that number three receiver. Obviously, D. Eskridge has been banged up. He was kind of a guy that we thought might take over that role, but it's good to see Freddie Swain out there balling. Another performer, Chris Carson, 13 carries for 31 yards. Not the amount of carries that he would like. I think this guy needs to touch the ball 20 times, but he did have two touchdowns. You know that when you get down to the red zone, you can give it to number 32. He is going to fall forward. Now, Carson passes Ricky Waters for for sixth place on Seattle's all-time rushing touchdown list with 23. He is a good running back. I think they are going to figure out how to get him the ball more and be more creative with him this week. He was disappointed that he didn't touch the ball as much, and he should be disappointed. You want your guys to be disappointed if they don't touch the ball a lot because they want to make these plays, but he still contributed. Chris Carson, I expect – it's crazy. I expect a bounce-back game from him, even though he had two touchdowns this week. Absolutely, and all the things about that was opportunity, like you talked about. He only had four carries in the second half. So, for we know Chris Carson's game – it's similar to Derrick Henry in the sense of he wears people down. 
Sometimes it's a slow start, but by that second half, if you've established that run, he really grinds on people, and he's hard to tackle in that second half. So definitely looking to see him get more involved next week against the Vikings. But, man, B-Wags, man, doing B-Wags things. Future Hall of Famer Bobby Wagner, 20 tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, two quarterback hits, and those 20 tackles were not only a career high, but he set a franchise record for a single game in tackles. Now, a lot of people sometimes question how many tackles you have and how that relates to how well you played, and if not, if the if you're making a lot of tackles down the field, if you're making a lot of tackles in the pass game. But say what you want, man. Anytime you get 20 tackles in the National Football League, you're doing your thing. He had a big-time sack on third down to kept him out of the end zone. He made another yeah. big-time stop in the overtime period. So Bobby Wagner is just consistent. He is consistent. You know what you're going to get from him each and every week, so it's great to see 54 doing his thing. And, you know, the, the best thing about what I heard from him in the postgame was, you know, they asked him about it. It's like, hey, you just set a franchise record. You know, how does that feel? He said, don't matter. We lost. Yep. Doesn't matter. I mean, that's you love that mentality because it's not about stats and accolades. We love to talk about them because it's easy for us. But Bobby Wagner, it's good to see him. He has that dog mentality, and he kept showing out. Twenty tackles, big day. All right, those are our playmakers. We got Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Freddie Swain, Chris Carson, and Bobby Wagner. Now we're going to go to the receiver room with the receiver roundup. We mentioned this guy already, Tyler Lockett, eight catches, one hundred seventy-eight yards, one touchdown, and a long of sixty-three. Freddie Swain, we mentioned him, five receptions, 95 yards, one touchdown. DK, I wouldn't say an off day for DK, but not the type of day that we expected out of him. Six receptions, 53 yards, no touchdowns, but he did have 11 targets. So it's not like they were not going to the man, right? It just wasn't his day. It was Tyler Lockett's day. I'm sure they're going to find ways to get him the ball down the field. There's no way you're going to have that size and that speed and not use him down the field. Yeah, it's interesting to see how teams recover him this year. I mean, I think now that he's reached his elite status in the National Football League, people are going to cover him differently. They're going to do things to take him away. And when that happens, guys like Tyler Lockett ball out. Guys like Freddie Swain ball out. So even when he has a day where he's six receptions or 53 yards, he's doing stuff to help Lockett get open. Yep. And at some point, you know, people were looking at the Seahawks film in the first two games, just like, we're not giving, getting beat deep by Tyler Lockett. So people are going to start game planning to take away Lockett because that's what's been killing him. So I, I would look for DK to have some big games coming up. Uh, Travis Homer had two receptions for 14 yards. Gerald Everett had one reception for three yards. Uh, unfortunately, he's the only tight end to make a reception, and it wasn't a big one. Um, so hopefully next week we can kind of get back to what we saw against the Colts. A lot more tight end involvement, some tight end screens. It's kind of different actions. We'd love to see Will Disley get involved as well. You know, Colby Parkinson should be coming back soon, so he's going to add some more receiving threat to that tight end room. So, overall, we're hoping uh, that those guys have a bigger game. But in summary, man, the wide receivers definitely balled out on Sunday. Wide receivers did their thing. Speaking of wide receivers, we're going to the coach's corner. We're going to break down the play. The play we're breaking down this week is Tyler Lockett's 63-yard touchdown from Russell Wilson. Wide slot, far side, Russ play fake, being chased. Now he looks, now he throws back. It's Tyler Lockett. Waits, makes the catch, breaks the tackle, 30, 25. They're not going to touch him. 10, 5, touchdown, Tyler Lockett. Touchdown, Seahawks. A 63-yarder that Tyler Lockett stopped, started, broke a tackle, and then broke the tape at the finish line like he was winning the 100 in the Olympics. 
The building is rocking, and the Seahawks go on top 9-6. to six. What a big play from Tyler Lockett is in the second quarter, six, six minutes, 51 seconds left on the clock. And what happens here is you got a motion by the tight end, gets to the other side of the formation, gets him in like a trips. Look, Tyler is the number two receiver. That means he's inside the two receivers, one outside of him, one inside of him. And what really sells this, there's a play fake to Chris Carson and Russell starts to roll to his right like he likes to do. Typically, when you're rolling to your right, you're going to put somebody on a corner route for the outlet. But what Russell does, it's a half roll, all right? We're selling that. I'm going to roll to the right and hit that corner. He half rolls, and he looks for Tyler Lockett. What Tyler does a great job of doing is selling that corner route. He turns his shoulders to the sideline like he's going to be that corner guy. So at the same time, Russell Wilson is half rolling and stopping. Tyler sells a corner, then snaps his shoulders back to the other side of the field and kind of makes it into a deep cross and Russell just tosses it up there. Now, former teammate Bradley Madugo takes a horrible angle at that safety spot. Tyler makes guys miss, puts on the Jets, gets in the end zone. Just another day at the office for Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, 16 is just so smooth and he's taking out a couple people with Seattle ties. Elijah Mold in the corner on that play is the one who had him in coverage. And then former Seahawks, who started a lot of games here, Bradley McDougal, like you said, took a bad angle. But it's just the way he's able to stop, start, get going. He is sneak. I mean, we know he's fast. We know that, but he's football fast, right? He's fast in the 40, but when he's on the football field, he's a different kind of level. And he just has that shake, just pop. And then, oh, McDougal's like, oh, no, bad angle overruns it, and now you're going to get a earful from the coaching staff on your way back to the sideline. But Tyler Lockett, man, he's smooth. It's crazy when Russell throws these footballs and they hang in the air for a while. Sometimes it feels like it's up there too long, but it, it, the timing's always good with these, man. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. If, of course, they practice this stuff, but the feel that Russell Wilson has throwing these deep footballs and then the sneakiness that you talk about of Tyler Lockett when it comes to running these routes and being where he's supposed to be, uh, it's definitely fun to watch. Lost the game, but that was a bright spot. And typically, a lot of the times, most of the season, mm-hmm. we get into the victory formation to end this show. But this week, man, the clock just ran out on us. A knee taken by Hundley. They're just going to let the clock wind down. Pete's not even going to bother taking that last time out. Bumped the clock, ran out on the Seahawks. And honestly, it came down to, you could say this almost every single week, most games in the National Football League come down to a handful of plays. And Sunday was no different. The Seahawks just didn't make enough plays in the second half. Gave up too many rushing yards. You knew going into the game that you couldn't let Derrick Henry get going. And honestly, it came down to that 60-yard run, right? You go up, you go up 14, you're in the fourth quarter, you're feeling really good about everything. Two plays later, Derrick Henry is in the end zone. Um, didn't do a great job of force on that play, and he gets outside, and he's gone. Once he's in open field, he's gone. And then you compound that with a three and out. That's where the game shifted, right in that moment. If the Seahawks were able to put together a drive on that next one, you know, the game is still in hand, grind some clock, but to go three and out and then you give the ball back to the Titans, and it, it was just too much. And it was uh, they paid for it. On the, on the other side, Chris Carson couldn't get going. You know, 31 yards isn't going to cut it for a guy as good as him. And in a peak care offense, what they want to do with Jane Walden and everything is that running the football is a huge deal. And uh, 31 yards for Carson on our side and then allowing – Derrick Henry go for 180 just as big factors in why the Seahawks couldn't get it done on Sunday. Another reason why they couldn't get it done, 10 penalties for 100 yards. That sounds like a team that is not disciplined. There was the taunting 
penalty, which I thought is, I still think is mm-hmm. bogus. Uh, there was a roughing the passer, neutral zone infractions, false starts. These are just mistakes that just can't happen, especially uh, during certain times of the game where it's crucial, where, you know, yeah. that roughing the passer was big. You get off the field, you're good to go. Uh, so they have to clean up their play. And Pete Carroll spoke about that after the game. He goes, man, we just can't make those mistakes. You know, guys are excited. He wants his guys to be excited. He wants his guys to be aggressive, aggressive, but you have to do it within the rules of the game. Uh, late in overtime, you're backed up to the one yard line. Here's the thing though, right? They still had a chance to win the game. Yes. They I mean, did. they still had a chance. Yes, the, the Titans came back. They have Derrick Henry, guys. Let's not forget, he's he's pretty good. They got Julio Jones. He's pretty good. They still had a chance to win the game. They were backed up late on the one-yard line. I think the Hawks got lucky with that non-safety call. I looked at that play again. Yeah. Um, that was, that was yeah. some home cooking right there. But we'll take it. We at home, we'll take it. Um, they threw the ball three times late in overtime. And I think everybody, it's a, it's a learning process. I think players are going to learn how to handle themselves in these situations. I think coaches are going to learn how to communicate with their players and come up with game plans in these situations. I'm not, I'm always looking for positives in these L's, but we just can't deny the fact that penalties and uh, some decision-making kind of hurt these guys. Yeah, man, and it's like you, met, you hit the nail on the head that despite all of that, theories come back by Titans, all the rush yards by Derrick Henry. The Seahawks defense gets a big stop in overtime. A penalty can kind of hurt the field position, but they ended up getting off the field. And typically, anytime you have Russell Wilson as your quarterback and you're getting the ball and an opportunity to win the game, you just expect to win. That is just, he's done it so many times, time in and time out. So at that point, at that moment, I was like, no, they're going to figure it out. They're going to go on a crazy drive. We saw it a million times last year. We've seen it all throughout his career. Unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. And like we've talked about, man, it's just one game. Just like we tried not to get too excited last week because it was just one game. National Football League is week to week. A lot of people get paid a lot of money to compete in this this uh, this league, and it's it's like I said, it's one game. Disappointing. They're going to get in the film room this week. Tell the truth Monday. They're going to hammer all that stuff out, and I expect them to bounce back uh, big time in against the Vikings. Let's bounce back. We knew they weren't going to go undefeated. Y'all knew they weren't going to go undefeated. Let's just learn and move on, folks. All right. Seahawks fall to the Titans 33 to 30 in the home opener and overtime. Tough game, but let's digest it. Let's learn and let's move on. It's been real. Thank you for joining myself and NASA Chobi. That is the Hawk Talk recap. We will talk to you guys soon. The Hawks are going to Minnesota to take on the Vikings and hopefully bounce back. We'll talk to you soon.